Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Hey folks, Lieutenant Carl Allen West here at Watchtower Firearms. This is the uh, custom designed uh, AR-15 that was just made for me. It's got my Steadfast and Laurel logo there. On this side, you can see my signature, my master parachutist wings, of course, American flag. And I just want to tell you that you can't be a great American unless you have a great American weapon. And that's exactly what Watchtower Firearms is building. Great American weapons all American parts manufactured right here in the great state of Texas. And oh, by the way, the, uh, let me see, where is the serial number on this one? TX 1836. If you're from Texas, I think you know what that means. God bless you. God bless Washtown. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. We're continuing to have conversations with individuals that are running for Texas State House districts. Record number, like 52 challengers to Republican incumbents in the Texas State House. And as some of you all know about the impeachment of the Attorney General Ken Paxton and some of the other things that have been going on, like the inability to pass legislation saying that China and other foreign adversarial entities cannot purchase land in the state of Texas. That's the reason why we're seeing this record number of people stepping up to the plate. And one of those individuals is Janine Chapa. Janine felt a need to protect families. She met her husband, Mike, in her hometown on the border in Brownsville, Texas. I've been there a few times. She has a bachelor's degree in business from Pan American University in 1985 and also spent time at Texas Southmost College and the University of Texas while at UT, the other UT, not the University of Tennessee. You know, we kind of came before them. Yeah, that's right. Get it right. Janine worked part-time at the Attorney General's Office in the Oil and Gas Division. After graduating from college, Janine began work in the insurance business, later opening her own agency in San Antonio. We are now joined by House District 20 congressional candidate. That covers Williamson County. That's the county just north out of Austin and Travis County, Janine Chapa. Janine, thanks so much for joining us here at the Steadfast and Law Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Talk to us about, you know, your background and what led you to the decision to run for Texas State House. Yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity again. And let me give you a little bit about my background. I've been married 39 years to my husband, Mike. 
He was a former Parks and Wildlife, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife game warden. We have two kids, uh, two adult uh, daughters. And uh, with my daughters, they have uh, blessed us with three grandchildren, three ah, boys. Beautiful. And so we're very fortunate. Uh, we tried to have boys, but unfortunately, um, I, I, I didn't do very well. And well, so no, my... look, I, I've got two daughters and I got two grandsons. So I'm one grandson short of catching you. Yeah. Well, and I tell you what, we have a blast with them. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, I retired from the insurance industry about four years ago. And I worked in the insurance industry for 32 years, uh, right out of college. And I started, you know, in, uh, in the claims department. And mm -hmm. I, I rapidly learned the business, but I, I've come from a business background. My pa I grew up in my parents' business. And I saw the sales side of the business, of the insurance business, and I was immediately drawn to that. I love interacting with people. And so um, the sales side of the business was, was something that I really, really uh, enjoyed. And so I, um, I opened up my own insurance agency with State Farm. I was an agent for them for a few years. And then they asked me to go into a leadership role. And I started doing some mid-level managing for them. And um, as time progressed, I was fortunate to be blessed with opportunity with State Farm. And the last 10 years of my career, I was in a... Uh, executive leadership position where I oversaw uh, 400 and, about 420 agents across the South Texas market. Um, but even before uh, the South Texas market, I had about 400 agents that uh, surrounded the Dallas area. I didn't have the Dallas market, but I had everything from El Paso all around um, uh, to Texarkana and then below to Waco. And so I've, I've had extensive knowledge of the market area here in Texas from my previous career. And, uh, and so I got into this opportunity or, or uh, running for office. Uh, after I retired, we immediately went into lockdown. Uh, not, not perfect timing on my part. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I started to see some things about our government that I just did not agree with. And a lot of that was the federal overreach in uh, how the government was trying to tell us how to run our lives. And, um, and so I started to get active politically here at the local level. And um, I went to go see my, at, after we had our elections and uh, we were very much concerned, I was very much concerned with the outcome of our elections. I went and talked to my representative who happens to be Mr. Wilson about audits here in Texas, and I asked him to please support the audits here in Texas. And, you know, his advice to me was, you should become a precinct chair and get to know the constituents in your precinct and see how they feel about that. Maybe they don't feel the same way. Maybe they think that we had some fair and honest elections. Well, I did a lot of block walking before I became a precinct chair, and I could, I could see the energy and the excitement for the Republican Party in my in my precinct and others, because I just didn't walk in my precinct, I walked in others. Mm -hmm. So I took his advice. I became a precinct chair and I was a precinct chair for the last three years. And I was very active within the Williamson County Republican Party. And I got to meet a lot of people and I got to see firsthand my representative who is now my opponent in his actions and in his dealings. And as I continued to observe him, I realized that I needed to run. Um, this this district has not had a challenger uh, for the last two election cycles, 
And the last decisions that he made in the 88th legislative session just uh, formatted my uh, decision that yes, I needed to run and we needed to give House District 20 a choice for um, their representative and who represents them up in Austin. You know, it's so important when uh, you look at Williamson County and where it's located just north yeah. out of uh, Travis County. Uh, what you see happening in Travis County, and, and that, ladies and gentlemen, that's where Austin is, and a lot of people refer to Austin as Moscow on the Colorado River. You see it spreading south uh, there into the uh, the county just south of there, a little bit over to Bastrop because of the growth and expansion. And you see a lot of that progressive socialist leftism, you know, coming yeah. up into to Williamson County as well. Creeping. Uh, yeah, it's creeping. And the exact same thing we see here coming out of Dallas going to uh, the surrounding counties. How important it is to have, even though that you have a Republican representative, but someone that stands strong against that overreach and against that encroachment uh, for constitutional conservative principles. And what are, let's say, the top two things that this state house representative voted for and supported in the 88th legislative session that really took you over the top to say, I got to step up and run? Yeah. So the first one was when he called all of the precinct chairs into a, uh, a private meeting uh, up in Sun City. That is a huge, huge mm -hmm. um, retirement community. Base. Yes, yeah. retirement community here in Georgetown. And he shared with us that he was going to be supporting uh, Democrat chairs. And we asked him not to do that. And we, we were well, very let me, let me just ex Let me just explain a little bit more because this is something, you know, because this podcast will be seen by many outside of Texas. What you're talking about is that one of the initiatives of the Republican Party of Texas was to yes. end the practice of the Republican majority appointing Democrats to be chairman of committees in the Texas State House. Okay, proceed. That's, that's correct. That's correct. It was a priority uh, that came out of the 2022 uh, Republican Party priorities. And that, I believe it was like item number five on the priorities. Yeah. And, um, and when he told us that he was going to support that, uh, we were, I was appalled. I was absolutely appalled because I knew how much time we had spent developing these priorities. You know, these priorities start at the grassroots level. It starts at the precinct level. I had to have a precinct convention uh, gathering people in my, in my precinct to understand what are the issues and what are the things that are most important to you. And then we rolled those up to our county convention and then to our state convention. And for, for him to be... Um, just cavalier with his statement around he wasn't going to support them because he didn't necessarily agree with all the priorities. I felt like, then why do we do these? What I felt like it was a waste of the people's time. And so that right there was one thing. Um, but then the next thing that he did that just really, and well, he supports Dave Phelan. He supported Dave Phelan. And then the Speaker Dave, of the House. Yeah. Yes, the Speaker of the House, Dave Phelan. Um, and then, you know, the last thing that uh, really put me over the edge was his decision to um, to impeach uh, Ken Paxton. And we, we gave him a digital petition of 2,500 names asking him not to uh, impeach Ken Paxton. 
and he did it anyway. And, and for me, while we know the outcome and we know that Ken Paxton um, was exonerated, it was about the due process component of this impeachment that really bothered me. Um, I felt like that was a violation of our constitutional rights. I felt like we are all entitled to our, our day in court. And I felt like, you know, if, if me or my husband or one of my children were to be accused of something, a crime, anything, that we are afforded our due process rights under the Constitution. And um, he, he ignored that. And he ignored his people. He ignored what the people wanted. And that right there was enough for me to say, we need a change. And I, you know, I could go back and I could see uh, just collectively the House of Representatives is more and more left and more and more radical, more and more liberal, that if we are going to save uh, this state and this country, we need to get Texas back into the conservative uh, side of, of, of this equation or we're done. We're done. That's just how I feel. You know, one of the things that I've always talked to uh, candidates or people that are in a position, uh, you got to talk about what you're for, not just what you're against. So let's talk right. about what are your top three priorities uh, if you are to be elected as the uh, House District number 20 uh, state representative. What would be your top three priorities? So the, the first one, and I know that I've been doing a lot of blog walking, um, getting my name out and letting them know what I'm doing. And I'm asking um, constituents what's important to them. And over, overwhelmingly, it's the border. And we have to do more on the border. And so that's got to be my number one priority, uh, border security and closing the border. Uh, number two is parents' rights. Parents need to have the rights to make the decision for their children. They know what's best for their children from medication to education. Government should not be in the middle trying to tell their parents, the parents of children, what to do. So we've got to protect the children. Um, and then the third one that um, I'm most, I, I, am, I continue to be passionate about is election integrity. And uh, we, we've got to fight this election, uh, election integrity uh, for our state. I continually hear from constituents that they are concerned about our elections. They're concerned that their vote doesn't count. They're concerned that um, what they say doesn't matter. And, and what they're telling me is they're not going to vote. And we can't have a democracy if our constituents, if, if the people do not feel confident that their vote is fair, it's safe, and it's protected. So let's talk about those three, because what I'd like to, to hear from you are a couple of solutions in each one. of. So when you talk about the border, uh, what would be a couple of your solutions in securing the border from the legislative uh, perspective? What, what things do you think can be passed so that we can implement it down on the border? Yeah, so, so I was really disappointed that HB 20 didn't get passed out of the 88th legislator, legislature. And again, um, elaborate on HB 20. So Yes, HB 20 would have provided a border protection unit uh, that would have been uh, put, put in place between the ports of entry. Uh, between, um, and actually in the areas where it's, there's no, there's no, uh, there's easy access into the country mm -hmm. um, through the river. 
And that particular bill was a very strong bill and it got um, derailed by a point of order by a Democrat. And we had five Republicans who stood up to challenge the decision of, of the speaker and they needed 10 Republicans to speak up and challenge the decision of the speaker, and we could only get five. And so it was very disappointing that we could have had legislation that would have been passed back in the, in the regular session, and we didn't. And so we need strong legislation that's going to get people, men, our, our, uh, a border protection unit that's going to be able to stop the invasion that's coming in and through the sparse areas along the river. Um, You know, I was born and raised on the river. And so, I mean, not on the river, but on the border. Mm -hmm. And um, I know how sparse it is. My parents had property that was border, that was right along the uh, the river and you people would cross in all the time. So we've got to close the border. We've got to, we've got to put personnel down there and then we've got to enforce our laws. We have laws, we have Mm -hmm. immigration laws. And we're not enforcing those. And so I think immediately we could we could enforce those laws. Do you agree with Governor Abbott's busing of illegals to uh, these other blue cities across the country? You know, at first I was in agreement with it because I felt like the the sanctuary cities needed to understand the magnitude of what they were asking us to do here in Texas. It's not sustainable for anyone, for any city, any kind. I mean, this border issue has absolutely um, overwhelmed the country. And now our blue sanctuary cities understand exactly what we're dealing with here in Texas. And so while in the beginning I I, I, I do agree, I did agree with him and I do agree with him, um, now it's become a national problem and I believe that others just not us here in Texas want something done. And so I do believe that at the federal level, because there is more of an outcry from the national level, that um, when we get change in November, uh, we will see immediate assistance down here in Texas and along the border, you know, all the way to California. Um, the, the only concern I have with that is that we have a governor that is aiding and abetting human trafficking. Uh, yes. And and also the other problem is that we as the Texas taxpayers are paying yes. for this. And no one asked me if I wanted to put illegal immigrants on a bus and pay for them to the you know tune of three to five thousand dollars each. So I would say that, yes, initially it may have been a point, but now right. it's become a political gimmick and an optic and we're undermining the safety and security of other areas in the country. Uh, to make a point that I think was made already. So I would um, agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. Parental rights. Let's talk about what are a couple of things that you would do to enhance, as you said, uh, from medication to in, uh, education. Yes. So, you know, early on when we had COVID and, that, uh, you know, first they were uh, telling people who should be getting shots and, um, and then they started going down all the way to the kids and the infants. And, uh, you know, I, I had recently had three grandbabies and I, I was terrified from by that vaccine. I was reading and hearing about all the injuries that were uh, affecting babies. And I did not want my, my children or my grandchildren to be 
affected by that. And so for the CDC to mandate uh, vaccines to children was just something I did not agree with. And that because that's a parent's right, that parents need to decide what's right for their kids uh, when it comes to uh, medication or shots or anything like that. Now, the education component of this, uh, you've seen, you've seen what is coming out of our public school system, and it's appalling. I went to public school, and when I, when I went to public school, we learned reading, writing, and math, history, science. We, we learned the things that I want my kids or my grandkids to learn in school. They're not learning that today. Mm -hmm. And so parents need to have, again, the choice. If the schools are not meeting the needs of the parents for their children, then parents should have the right to decide where they send their kids to school. Now, I went to public school, and but I sent my kids to private school. I was blessed to have the opportunity to send my kids to private school, but I paid for that. I really would have loved some form of stipend or just a payback of the taxes that I was paying um, in, in school district taxes to help me fund uh, the private education that I was giving my kids. Um, and I think parents today need that kind of assistance. They're paying a lot of money in property taxes, and they're also expending a lot of money um, homeschooling or sending their kids to private schools. And so we've got to we've got to provide a solution to parents so that they can afford to give their kids the education that they feel is warranted for their kids. Competition is not bad. Competition is a good thing. And if the public schools, no, nobody's saying we don't want public schools. We want public schools, but we want them to do what we need them to do to make a to to provide thinkers, critical thinkers. They're not creating. Uh, they're not educating our children to be thinkers. Would you support the elimination of the uh, obscenity exemption laws that we have here in Texas that allow certain entities to have these uh, pornographic uh, books available to our kids? Yes, I would absolutely support that. And I have a friend actually who has been auditing the Georgetown High School libraries. And in one high school, she's already found 19 books that are sexually explicit. And, um, and that's just unacceptable. Election integrity, what some of the things that you would advocate for as a member of the Texas State House to rectify the lack of trust and confidence we have in uh, our, our citizens here? So one of the things we've been fighting for here in Williamson County is sequentially numbered ballots, yes. sequentially numbered paper ballots uh, for that matter. And um, we almost had it this um, for this primary. We almost had it for this primary, and it's disappointing that we lost it here at the very end. So I would be fighting for sequentially numbered uh, numbered paper ballots. Um, I would also uh, be taking a look at the waivers that the Secretary of State um, is allowing counties to utilize, so where they can hide behind uh, this waiver, so that they don't um, have to follow the con the Texas Constitution in in providing us with sequentially numbered ballots. Um, the other thing that I, uh, that I would, uh, I, I believe I would file or support is giving our attorney general back his authority mm -hmm. to go after election fraud. You know, the Texas Supreme Court ruled that the attorney general had no business with um, prosecuting election fraud and, it, and, and remanded it back to the DAs. Well, in Dallas County, Travis County, uh, Harris County, mm -hmm. uh, Bear County, those DAs are not going to go after election fraud. 
And so we've got to give the attorney general back the authority to go after that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But I I just want to, you know, correct you on one thing. It was the criminal courts of appeals of the state of Texas that did that. That's right. Uh, I appreciate the correction. Thank you. No, no, I want you to always be on top of things and be correct. Now, here's the, uh, the, the last big question that I think is so important for you to be able to articulate. Because a lot of people, as I said, from outside the state of Texas watch uh, this podcast. Why is your race, why is the Texas State House so important for the rest of the nation? Well, Texas is a, um, is a leader in the country. We, we are a leader from an economic standpoint. We're a leader from what we um, export, whether it's food, oil, gas. I mean, we are a leader in this country. We, and we are looked upon as leaders. And we are also looked upon as a very conservative state. And I think that people on the outside looking at Texas um, look to our leadership and look to our guidance to make sure that we are um, leading in the conservative movement that uh, we need to, to um to, to, for taking back all of the wokeism that we see going on around the country. And, um, and if we don't take back Texas, I mean, cause we, we're seeing that creep in our Texas house, starting from the speaker of the house with Dave Phelan down to, you know, the, I'm going to call them the minions that he's got in, in his committee chairs. Um, if we don't change that, then we will see Texas going in a different direction. And um, I think the adage is, uh, so goes Texas, so goes the country. Very well. Where can people follow you in your campaign, Janine? So I am at www.teamjanine.com. And you can find me on Facebook I'm at um, Janine Chapel Campaign. You can find me on, on X or Twitter at uh, team underscore Janine. And uh, I really do appreciate all the support. You know, as grassroots candidates, we don't get a whole lot of support. We've got to, we've got to knock on doors and we've got to ask for everybody to, to give and to donate. And I will tell you, this is such a really hard time for people. Mm -hmm. Um, Inflation is killing everyone, but I still have people that are donating and they are pulling from the bottom of the barrel from from their budgets. And I am so thankful and so appreciative for anything and everything that we get. Well, I want to thank you for taking time to be with us here on the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. And, you know, I want you to send a message to the people out there that are saying that uh, they're not going to vote because if you don't vote, you don't have a voice. And that's exactly what the uh, the opposition wants to, to have is to yeah. silence your voice. So don't allow them to do that. And I will tell you that uh, I appreciate you being here and you have my full endorsement. You can put that out there on your website. Oh, thank and you then so we will, much. We will also. Oh, that's going to mean so much to my, to my team, yeah. my volunteers. I'm well, telling you, I told them this morning kind. that I was having a a call with you. So they're going to be so thankful. And we will also get this uh, podcast segment to you that you can put out there. Uh, and millions of people will see. And uh, please go out and support Janine, Texas State House District 2000. I mean, Texas State House District 20 in the year 2024. Primary election comes up Tuesday, March the, the 5th. 
but early voting starts on the 20th of February. And I just want to thank you, Janine Chapa, for stepping up to the plate. And I also want to thank every single one of you for tuning in to this episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast. If you like this episode, please click the like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.